Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Joaquin Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. Wow, we can feel <clears throat> we can feel his goodness in our midst, amen. And there's nothing better. I like <clears throat> I like the presence of Jesus because it's him. And he's good. And when his goodness comes, everything changes. Amen? Have you realized, yeah, that what Jesus touches changes? If Jesus touches it, it changes. Amen? And uh, I I love the testimony of Jesus because it just highlights the fact that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is real, that Jesus is available, and Jesus is active on the earth. I don't know about you, but all those things get me excited. <laughs> and I, I love the testimony, and I love, I love the power of the moment when, when God touches somebody and they're like, ah, I don't have a tumor anymore, my deaf ear open, <clears throat> my peanut allergy is gone. Those are all good things, amen? And uh, but I, I love the, the aftermath of the testimony even more. The momentum of the love encounter that, that the testimony carries. That it's not just a moment. But it's, it's what Lindsay said, it's, it's changed our family. Like we don't have to plan around certain foods. Like, like it's changed everything for all of us. We can eat whatever we want, go wherever we want. And the momentum of that testimony continues to this day. Thank you, Jesus. And then it impacts the nurse, and then it impacts Jade's friends. Thank you, Jesus. How many people know the goodness of God isn't just for a moment? That God, that God doesn't turn his goodness on and off. That he's, not a, he's not a momentary God, and he's not momentarily good. He just is good. Have you realized yet that the goodness of God isn't something he does? It's something he is. That when you are it, you can't be anything but that. A strawberry can't just decide to taste like an apple for a little while. Why? Because it's it's not something that it's trying to do. It's something that it is. And God is good. Can you say that with me? God is good good. And therefore, every time we come to him, we have the opportunity to encounter his goodness, to be touched by his goodness, to be changed by his goodness. And he is here with us right now. Thank you, Jesus. I love him. I love him a lot. <laughs> I, uh, he, he changed me so deep. And uh, my brother, you got to hear from, he did announcements. We got, we got born again at the same church service. Thank you, Jesus. David Hogan was preaching. How many people have heard of David Hogan before? <clears throat> A half of you. The other half of you need to know about David Hogan. Go look him up. He's the craziest, literally, I think he is one of the, the craziest, most on fire, wild men alive on the planet. And God knew exactly what we needed to hear to come running in. And uh, he's a missionary. He's from Louisiana, but he's been a missionary in the jungles of Mexico for well over 30 years now. 
And the, the, uh, 20 years ago, the reports were that their ministry as a whole, not just him, but their ministry had seen over 300 people raised from the dead. <laughs> you had me scared for a second. I was in the wrong church. But uh, all right, we're back. <laughs> Three, over 300 people raised from the dead. And literally, like, like <laughs> my brother and I, like, we didn't grow up in church. My, my parents are, are here as well. We didn't grow up in church. I mean, we knew, we knew the Christmas story. We knew the basics of Jesus, but we didn't go to church. And uh, we came to this service with David Hogan, and he's talking about the, rad- the most radical, amazing things you could ever think of. Seeing limbs grow back on bodies and, 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 and people who, who had drowned come back to life and just the craziest things ever. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, why didn't anybody ever tell me Christianity could be like that? Because that's not the image that I had, right, about what church was like, right? Nobody ever said, you can see limbs grow back. <laughs> but that's, that's what we needed to hear. And Renee's got a different story. And isn't that the beautiful thing about the nature of our God? That, that, he, is, that he is good He's manifold in all of his ways, and he knows how to to reach out and touch you just the way you need, and to reach out and to touch you just the way you need, and touch me just the way I need, because he's a good father. And uh, when I say come running in, I meant it. My brother and I were sitting in the service listening to him preach. Is this uh, mic going to work all right? I can, we're good? Um, and so uh, he's preaching and literally he gets towards the end of his message, right? He's going to go on and do an altar call, things we know about now, had no idea then. He gets to the end of his message and just the love, the conviction of God is just on us. Like the Holy Spirit was in the room. Like we didn't come, we didn't come just to a house of religion, we came to a house of God. And, the, and God was in the room, and I remember this man got a big beard, gruff, missionary, jungles of Mexico, 30 years. He was like a drill sergeant for Jesus. He just had this nature about him, like, I will eat through a brick wall for Jesus. Like, and, he's, and he's up there, and, he, and I remember him saying this. Like, I remember him saying this. I remember him saying, there was probably guessing 1,100 people in the room or so, somewhere 1,000, 1,500 people in this room, big place. And I remember saying, there's only about five of you in here that are going to get this. The nature, the, the reality of what he was talking about, of like this Christian relationship, this, this relationship with God where God lives in me and lives through me and, and the world is transformed around me. He's like, there's only about five of you in this room that are going to get what I'm talking about. Now, he was gruff. <laughs> He's a missionary, so he can get away with that stuff, right? But I remember, I wasn't even, I wasn't even saved, born again yet. I'm sitting in the room, and I'm thinking to myself, I have no idea what he's talking about, but I want to be one of those five. 
And I remember, it was like, there's, there's over a thousand people in the room. It probably wasn't the reality, but it was like, and I talked to my brother after, he felt the exact same way. It was like he was looking into us almost the entire time. But really, it was the Holy Spirit. And he got towards the end, and me and my brother looked at each other. Nothing was said. We looked at each other, and we both jumped to our feet. And we elbowed out from the, the pews into the aisle, and we ran down to the front. And he stopped. Gruff. Drill sergeant. We're down here, and he looks at us, and he goes, what do you want? <laughs> we said, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. And so he stopped, and in a very gentle way, he prayed for us, and and started our, our journey that changed everything. And then he, he, then he finished and <clears throat> made an invitation for a bunch of other people and a couple hundred more people came down after us. But we couldn't wait for the end. Sometimes I think God likes that. And fast forward, fast forward almost 20 years and... and I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. My, my brother and his wife have been on, on the missions field uh, for 13 years or plus. And we've seen people get out of wheelchairs, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. Uh, the power of God hit entire villages. I mean, you name it, we've seen it. Because I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. But I want to be one of the five. My point is this, that what Jesus if Jesus touches it, it changes. Everything he touches changes. And the beauty is that, that it doesn't, your testimony is not supposed to look like my testimony. Some people in the room are like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that, that everybody, Renee was up here, and she's got a different testimony. And you could put 10 people up here and they would all have a different testimony. That's the way it's supposed to be on purpose. The Bible says that we're uniquely and wonderfully made. It says that we are all together the body of Christ. It's only in our, unique, our uniqueness and our unique expression do we become the full representation of Christ to the world. He doesn't need you to look like me. and He doesn't need me to look like Renee. He needs us to all be who we're called to be. I think I said it last week, but in Galatians 5.1, it says that you have been set free for freedom's sake. What does that mean? It means that Jesus came and paid this ultimate price, not so that you could be the next mega church pastor, or the next power evangelist, or the next missionary. All those things are great. They're wonderful. But he paid the price first so that you could simply learn to be free. That's how, that's how important it is to him. And then out of that freedom, all those other things start to happen. When we start to live free, you find yourself being drawn to the mission field. Why? Because then it's not something that you're trying to do. You're figuring out who you are. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> if Jesus touches it, it changes. 
and I, you know, I, I've seen some of those crazy things, lots of those crazy things, I'm going to be honest, that, that David Hogan was talking about. There was, a, there was a time in South Africa that we went on a missions trip. <clears throat> Two and a half weeks, we were in the bush of South Africa. It was an amazing time. And uh, I, I told a story a couple weeks ago about um, being in the witch doctor's hut and two o'clock in the morning, the whole family got saved. That was amazing. Same trip. The very end of the trip, we come out of the bush. Two and a half weeks in the bush. We come out of the bush. We're in Johannesburg. We literally, the trip is done. We're uh, staying in a hotel. We have an early morning flight. So we come back out of the bush. We get showered up. We're like, hey, let's go have dinner as a team and we'll catch our flight early in the morning and head home. So the trip was done, essentially. But we're walking from the hotel to dinner uh, to this restaurant that was a couple blocks away. And on the way, I see a man getting pushed down the street in a wheelchair. And he was a white man, Afrikaans. And, and I have this thought, I'm like, we just saw God do all this amazing stuff in the bush. Blind eyes open and, and all these amazing, amazing things. Like, I bet God wants to do it here as much as he wants to do it there. Anybody think that's probably true? Downtown Johannesburg. And, uh, and so I walk up to this man. I said, hey, uh, we're a team here, and we've seen all this great stuff. Can I ask why you're in the wheelchair? He said, I fell off a roof 11 years ago. Broke my neck and my back in, in three places. I've been a quadriplegic ever since. And I said, can I pray for you? And he, his response is, he's like, oh, I'm a Christian. He's like, I've been prayed for hundreds and hundreds of times, and nothing ever happens. So my simple response to that was, that's fine, but what if something does happen? So he said, okay, you can pray for me. And so we started to pray, just inviting the goodness of God. Somebody say the goodness of God. And we just had, there's no manual for this stuff, like, we didn't know what to do. We just invited the goodness of God, and nothing was happening for a few minutes. And then after a moment, his leg did this. And he looked up at us with these really big saucer eyes, and I asked him, I said, is that normal? Does that, does that normally happen to you? And he said, uh. And we're like, oh, my goodness, something is happening. So... Guess what? The prayer diet got turned up, right? We're like, more goodness, more goodness, more goodness, more of your presence, more of your love. And then his leg kept, it would go still, and then a few more seconds, and we start shaking again, then still, and start shaking, and then all of a sudden, tears running down his face. And he says, I could feel my legs, I could feel my legs. We watch over the next 10 minutes. As uh, his arms are like this, quadriplegic. No, no feeling uh, from his chest down. You could stick a knife in his leg, he wouldn't even know. Quadruplegic. We watch over the next 10 minutes his arms stretch out and unfold in front of us. He, he gets up out of his wheelchair and starts walking around. He gets up out of his wheelchair and starts walking around the parking lot. Come on, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> now... Now, uh, a story I'll tell at another time is that I, I asked him how he ended up in the wheelchair. He said, I was 
Uh, I had an electric wheelchair, and, and two days ago I was mugged. They stole my electric wheelchair, probably to sell it and for drugs, and they left me behind a warehouse. They threw me in a field behind a warehouse to die. Quadriplegic. No getting out of that one, right? Except for the grace of God, sent somebody along, found him, and so, so that, happened, that happened two days ago. He's now up walking around the parking lot, this whole entire crowd. We're downtown, like downtown skyscrapers downtown, right? Like, and all this crowd has gathered around to see this happen. Well, the guys who mugged him two days ago <laughs> happen to be pulling up in a car. They see him, and I'll finish that story another time. But... Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. The point is that what Jesus what Jesus touches <laughs> All right, all right, all right. All right, <laughs> your hunger drew out of me what I wasn't expecting to share. <clears throat> the, so the, this car, so he was blocking, the, it was like in a strip mall parking lot where we saw this guy and, and, and encountered him right there. So this crowd gathered, it was blocking the parking lot. So this car comes through and, and can't get in, so it starts honking wildly. And so I go over to the car to like say, hey, like calm down. This is like, this is what's happening. And of course, they don't speak English. I don't speak their language, right? And so I'm trying to explain and all they're doing is getting really mad. Now, there's five guys in this car, right? I mean, the toughest gangster thug looking guys you've ever seen, right? They're literally got a bottle of rum, right? Swinging around, smoking, who knows what. And one guy in the backseat is just holding a tire iron. You know, just in case, you know, right? I mean, these are not friendly looking guys. They don't know what I'm trying to tell them, but they're getting ticked off. So they get out of the car, five guys, every, the crowd's all like paying attention over there. And I'm over here with this car. They all start to get out and I'm like, oh Jesus, this is it. I'm coming home. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, father, forgive them. They know not what they're about to do. <clears throat> And this lady who earlier, the man in the wheelchair, his name was Peter. You know, I, I feel like that's important. Because God knows our name. He wasn't just a man, his name was Peter. And he had a story. And, and as Peter, his arms stretched out, and he was weeping and weeping, and his caretaker who was pushing him now in the manual wheelchair, they were trying to get miles into town where he could apply for another electric wheelchair when we, when we encountered him. His caretaker is weeping and weeping, and one of the ladies in the shop who saw it all from her shop, she came out with glasses of water and box of tissue. For the caretaker and Peter, he's, and I remember Peter's weeping, tears, and, and what he kept saying over and over and over again. And this is, this is seared in my memory. In my, I'll never forget this. As long as I live, what he kept saying over and over and over again was, I can wipe my own nose. 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 And um, 
And so as the, the guys get out of the car, the same lady, she runs out to the car, back out from her shop, runs back out and says, no, 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 and explains to them in their language what's happening. And so she says, look. And so they look over the crowd and they see Peter. And the guy who mugged Peter two days ago is, it was one of the five guys in the car. I mean, these are, these are black guys. He turns white like a sheet and takes off running for his life. I mean, literally, fear of God. Like, he takes off running. The other four guys are stunned. Like, and so I just start preaching the gospel to him. So this is Jesus. I didn't use these, these terms, but what he touches changes. And he can do the same for you. You just need to know that his, that his forgiveness is eternal. And that he will do for you the same he did for Peter. And the moment that you ask for forgiveness, he'll remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. You just need to repent from witchcraft. And they start breaking off their amulets and bands and throwing them on the ground. God heals their body. All four of them get born again. Miracles, miracles break out through the crowd. And we have three hours. We have a three-hour revival in the parking lot. Ha, 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 ha. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to try and go fast here. In John, in John chapter 9, it tells the story of a man Jesus prays for. In John 9, verse 1, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This is important. Jesus answered, saying, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming, and no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. <clears throat> I'll fast forward. So, he sees the man, he goes, talks to the man, he tells the man to go and wash in the pool. The man does, and it says, <clears throat> therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind says, it's not this who sat and begged. He came back seen, obviously. And they said, is this not him who sat and begged? <clears throat> therefore... They said to him, how were your eyes open? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? That's a good question. Something amazing happened. Where is this guy? And then they fast forwarding in the story, they brought him to the religious leaders because here's the thing, what Jesus touches changes. What religion touches doesn't. But we aren't called to serve religion, we're called to serve a king. We're called to serve a living God. We're called to have relationship with a loving God. Who doesn't just turn good on and off, he is good. He doesn't turn love on and off, he is love. And in this relationship... <laughs> is when we find out who we are. 
and the religious leaders hound him. And the, their problem was that this happened on the Sabbath, the day of rest. By, by their interpretation of the laws, no work should be done. Right? So they took what God said and they twisted it. And they're like, nothing can be done to the point where it doesn't matter if you're blind and I'm tapped into the goodness of the Father. And if I just say, be healed, you're going to be healed. They're like, no, time out. You can't do that. That's work. That's breaking the law. How many people know that's religion? <clears throat> and so they had problems with this, with this man. And they even called Jesus a sinner. Like, sure, you got healed, but he broke the rules. How many people think their priority was maybe in a wrong place? To the point where they're like, is it even you that was, you were really blind? So they brought his parents. In verse 19, they asked them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. By what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. <laughs> he will speak for himself. That's a good politically correct answer. So, here it is. So, they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. They were hung up. And this man responds, and he says, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. That what, that what Jesus touches changes. In, in, Acts, in Acts chapter 4, there's a story of Peter and John. Similar story they they see this man who's paralyzed at the gate, beautiful. And you know the story, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I have freely receive. And he takes his hand and pulls him up, and the man's completely healed. Now the religious, everybody else is happy, but the religious leaders have a problem. And then continue on in the, in the story in chapter 4, verse 13. And it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were, here this is important, they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Aren't you glad that when Jesus picked his closest companions, his confidants, that he didn't go to the top Bible school of their day? He went to the fishing docks. He went to the tax collectors. He went to the rough and the tumble. He went to the uneducated. He went to ones who are just like you and I, normal people who don't have it all together, who don't have the right pedigree, who aren't polished, who don't have all the right letters behind their name. He just went to those who had genuine hearts and said, yes, I will follow you. I'll lay it all down. I don't understand what's happening, but that means I'm aware of my dependence, my need. 
for you. And it says that when they, when they realized that these guys were uneducated, untrained, normal, common, they're like, dang, something happened to you. You've obviously been with Jesus. Last passage, and then we're going to pray. My sister-in-law has got a song she's going to sing for us, and and we're going to pray and see what God wants to do in here tonight. In Luke chapter 5, it says, verse 17, Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, speaking of Jesus, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, the religious leaders who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then, somebody say then, behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. They ripped the tiles off the roof. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, Or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise up, take your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been laying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God. And we're filled with fear, which is also awe, saying, we have seen strange things today. <laughs> now, I want, you to, I want you to get it. Go back to the beginning. It says, it says that Jesus was teaching. That was normal. And there was a whole bunch of religious leaders gathered around. Also normal. But it says this. It says the power of God was present to heal them all. To touch them all. The power of God was present to touch them all, but, but they were missing what was available. Yeah. Why? Because they were having a conference. <laughs> they, were having a, they were having a powwow. They were having a leaders gathering. They were having a, let's harass Jesus and ask him all the hard questions. Let's try to trap him up. And, let's, and they were sitting there so much so that there was a crowd gathered around. And these guys who came simply aware of their need. They weren't religious leaders. They didn't have the hard questions. What did they have? Hunger. An awareness of their need. And they came. And here's the deal. They bypassed the crowd. They bypassed the status quo. Here it is. They cut past the religious spirit. What Jesus touches changes. 
what religion touches doesn't. And they had so much hunger that they bypassed. They went around, through, over, whatever they had to do, to the point that they ended up on the roof, ripping tiles off the roof to get to Jesus. <laughs> I was in that room, he was in that room, and David Hogan's sharing about the reality of God and saying, there's only about five of you in the room who are going to get it. It's not what I would say, but he's a missionary. And, uh, and I was like the guys on the outside of the crowd. I was in church. I didn't have all the, the lingo. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know any of the things. I just knew I needed that. And I was willing to jump up out of my seat and elbow my way to the front and say, I need that. And in that moment, it says immediately. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been laying on and departed to his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed. Do you know the miraculous of God happens in the awe of God? Religion tries to fill us with a bunch of reason, <laughs> but the love of God fills us with awe. Awe and wonder. It's not the rules that are going to change us, it's a love encounter that's going to change us. Thank you, Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about the old covenant. And the new. It's all type and shadow for our relationship with Jesus. And it says, when Moses is read, a veil lies on the heart. But when one turns to Jesus, the veil is taken away. The, the Old Testament, there was a temple. The New Testament says, don't you know you are the temple? In the Old Temple, the presence of God itself physically dwelt in the inner parts of that temple. And now the New Temple says, don't you know? The New Testament says, don't you know that you're the temple? Of the Holy Spirit. It's in you. But here's the reality. Just being part of the crowd isn't enough. And if it's all a type and shadow. If the Old Testament was a, was a, a shadow of the temple that's us. Then maybe that house, that hut that they were in is also a shadow of us. And maybe the roof that we need to tear off isn't the roof of the building. It's the roof of our heart. Sometimes we just need to be the one in the room that says, I don't know what he's talking about, but I need to be the one who gets it. To the point that I'm going to come and I'm going to tear, start tearing tiles of hurt, tiles of the, the time the religion hurt me. I'm going to tear that tile off. The time when, when uh, I trusted and didn't work, I'm going to tear that tile off. <laughs> The time when people said they were Christian, but they wronged me in business, I'm going to tear that tile off. To get past the crowd, to get to the one who changes everything. He hasn't invited us to a church, but he has invited us into a family. And the family happens to gather at this place called church 
But it's not religion that changes everything. It's Jesus. Kess and Drew, if you guys are ready, they're just going to come and they, they've, prepared a, they've prepared a song that they're going to play. And I believe that God is in the room. And I believe that the same God who was in the room the night of David Hogan, that he was, it was like he was speaking, to, looking through us, into my soul. And there's a thousand plus people in the room. It's not possible, but God was stirring something. God was wooing. God was drawing our heart to that moment. I believe that the same God is in the room right now. And God's going to draw our hearts in this moment. Some people here tonight, you maybe don't know Jesus at all. You may be like my brother and I. You don't know Jesus, but it doesn't matter because you can tell something real is happening. You're like, I want that. And there are other people that have, you've been around for a long time. You've been part of the crowd. But you're like, being a part of the crowd isn't enough. It's not satisfying me. That what I'm touching hasn't changed me yet. So I too need to start ripping some tiles off. To get to the one who is good. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.